News editors, literary editors and film editors. On the surface, they appear to be three different jobs in three different industries with three different goals. A news editor decides which writer is assigned to which story, and when that story comes in, verify the facts. After that, check the layout of the page to ensure each story is afforded the appropriate space. A literary editor? She assesses the potential of a manuscript presented to the publishing house. Not so much will we buy it, but can we sell it? Which means working with marketing departments to put the right book in the hands of the right readers. A film editor? Well, you simply cut out the footage that doesn't work and keep the stuff that does, right? No, it's more than that. It's measuring the length of a shot, which means measuring the emotional strength of the shot. It's filtering that emotion so it feeds into the story's overall arc. So again, three different jobs in three different industries with three different goals. I'm sorry, but I couldn't have deceived you more. They are each the same job with the same goal. Delivery of information. Denny Villeneuve began his career with two uneven features, August the 32nd on Earth and Maelstrom, before delivering the multi-award winning Polytechnic, which was based on a massacre in Montreal University that left 14 female students dead at the hands of a gunman venting his hatred of women. Then, in 2010, Villeneuve adapted to the screen Vajdi Muawad's highly acclaimed play Ensemble. First performed in 2003, Ensemble's is the second part of Muawad's tetralogy, The Blood of Promises, that investigates, from various vantage points, how war and violence impact on individuals and states, affecting memory and causing trauma that damage personal and national identities. Ensemble's follows twin siblings Jeanne and Simone Marwan, played respectively by Melissa Desarmeaux-Poulin and Maxime Godet, who, upon the death of their mother, Nawal, played by Lubna Azabal, discover that not only is their father, whom they have never met, still alive, but also that they have a half-brother whom they never even knew existed. The delivery of this information comes as a complete shock and reveals to them just how much of her life their mother had hidden from them. This much they do know. Soon after they were born, Noelle fled her war-torn homeland and, as a refugee, brought her infant children with her to Canada. Here is Villeneuve in 2011 being interviewed by Empire magazine. My relationship with violence is uh, more... Uh, the direct link is fear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, something that uh, uh, I try to portray it as ugly as possible, as brutal as possible without uh, showing as... Uh, I remove a lot of violence. I can deal with it from the victim's point of view. From an emotional point of view, I think that sometimes uh, cinema is going in a... In a some territories that uh, are a little bit uh, dangerous and uh, that's why I remove a lot of violence. After arriving in Canada and because of the trauma she suffered, Noelle never disclosed the names of her relatives or even the village where she grew up. But now, upon the reading of Noelle's will, Jeanne and Simone are each handed an envelope. One for Jeanne to deliver to her father and the other for Simone to deliver to his half-brother. Not knowing who these two men are, nor where they might be, Jeanne and Simone must travel back to their mother's homeland, 
That journey finally puts them in touch with their mother's past. With those two timelines, the story then becomes an exercise in slowly unearthing her story. An archaeological dig, if you will, sifting through the debris of the Civil War, all in the hope of finding the two men. Here is Villeneuve again in 2011, this time being interviewed by Jeffrey Brown of PBS NewsHour. It's a movie about ending cycle of violence, uh, uh, trying to end cycle of anger inside family, inside a society. There's a feeling of consolation uh, in this film that uh, I love also, that was very important in the play that I did try to do my best to keep. I think it's the same thing when I saw the play. I, I, I was deeply touched by the way Wajdi was talking about anger inside a family. Oh, a kid, in order to become a real adult, have to get rid of the anger that uh, was brought by his parents, by uh, his family story. Now, when it comes to flashbacks, there is an argument that they are the default position of an inexperienced writer who cannot create drama by telling a story straight. Instead, the writer uses flashbacks to contrive mystery, because otherwise there would be none. And yes, in the hands of poor storytellers, that is true. But there is another argument that holds that shuffling the timeline as a croupier would a deck of cards not only furthers the plot, but also reveals character. Which, in the case of Nawal, whose wartime experiences have left her traumatised, would be completely appropriate. Which means that in the hands of good storytellers, a flashback can also develop the theme. Here is Villeneuve yet again from 2011, this time on the CBC talk show George Strombolopoulos Tonight. Well, the, the relationship between the mother and the daughter and the mother and the son in this, you know, in, in a lot of it you hear about in, in terms of flashbacks, in terms of retrospect, it's a very real anger. So was it, is it war that you're afraid of that you made this film? Because this film is, it deals with, you know, the backdrop is clash between peoples, but there's more than war. This is about no, family. The, 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 and yeah, it's uh, me, uh, like I said, I know nothing about war, so it's not, a, it's not war that I'm interested in more than family and more uh, anger in family. Our anger is traveling through between family members. That interests me a lot and uh, that it can, it, every human being has a, you know, those kind of difficult relationship with uh, family members that uh, glue with uh, anger all around and I said that, that interests me a lot. Reorder the plot for En Sundays so it runs chronologically and just like the structures of Citizen Kane, Rashomon, Hiroshima Monomore, The Conformist, Annie Hall, Once Upon a Time in America, The Usual Suspects, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and the theme is not only altered, but most likely completely lost. You saw him then? Yes, I saw him. Just as you see me? I know it was him. You know it was him? Or you saw him? Yes, I did, I saw him. With your own eyes? Yes. I saw him. I saw him with my own eyes. Well done, darling. But here is where the structure of Ensemble's adopts a different tack. With Jeanne and Simone returning to their mother's homeland, the film appears to use flashback. Strictly speaking, flashbacks are sequences motivated by a character's need to recall a past event. But how can Jean and Simone remember events that occurred before they were born? Clearly, we are not dealing with flashbacks. Instead, Ensemble's opts to deliver its information with a structure somewhat similar to The Godfather Part II. There is no way that Michael Corleone could recall the events of his father, Vito, 
and his descent into a life of crime, which means The Godfather Part 2 does not contain flashbacks, but instead is structured with a fractured timeline in order to show how the sins of the father are not visited upon, but embraced by the son. Now, you probably have noticed that I have not actually named Nawal's homeland. That is because neither Muawad or Vilnov do so either. And it is through that decision that Ansandiz argues its theme, that suffering, trauma and reconciliation are universal states. Without forgiveness, we can only repeat what has gone before. Which is another reason why Ansandiz delivers its information across two timelines. By pushing the past and the present up against one another, we are reminded how close we are to history, asked can we ever escape it, and finally encouraged to use that past to heal the present. Suffering and how it bleeds across time is a recurrent element throughout several Villeneuve films, whether it be Polytechnic, Ansandiz, Prisoners, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. What happened to the kid? Who put it in the orphanage? Was it you? It was long gone by then. You didn't even meet your own kid? Why? Because that was the plan. In On Sundays, Nawal has been so wounded by her past that the only way she can survive it is by trying to forget it. But then, after many years in Canada, she suddenly sees a man with three tattooed dots on the heel of his foot, and suddenly the horrors of the Civil War thunder back with petrifying force. The first time Aunt Sandiz shows us those three tattooed dots is in the opening sequence during the Civil War, where a group of armed men are forcibly shaving the heads of young boys. As this ritual metaphorically shears away their identities, Vilno's camera focuses in on a foot marked with the three dots. We'll return to the significance of that in a moment, but for now, let us focus on the music that accompanies the scene. At first, the choice of Radiohead sounds incongruous. It is hard to imagine it being on any playlist compiled by any of the soldiers. But the song is not coming from within the scene, which means it is extra diegetic. So perhaps a clue lies in the fact that the song, You and Whose Army, comes from Radiohead's fifth album, Amnesiac. Now earlier I said that the past belongs to Noel, not Jeanne and Simone. That needs subtle clarification, because as far as Mouad's play and Villeneuve's film are concerned, Noel's past does belong to her daughter and son. It is their heritage, it is what formed them, and tragically the defining moment in their lives happened before they were born. To deliver all that requires great control of narrative, deliver too much information and the audience gets bored because they can predict what is going to happen next, and that results in their emotional withdrawal. Too little information, and instead of being bored, the audience is now confused, 
but again, that results in emotional withdrawal. Now, try delivering the information across two timelines, and every time you shift from the present to the past, you're asking the audience to switch their allegiances, which again runs the risk of emotional withdrawal. Getting it right requires great narrative fluidity, or smooth transitions. Consider the moment when Jeanne is swimming. As she moves beneath the waters, it appears she is alone in the swimming pool. But then she rises and we learn she is surrounded by families. She glances around as if looking for something. It is only when she sees her mother sitting on one of the loungers that we realise Villeneuve has slipped us into the past. All of 45 seconds ago. Now realising her mother seems lost, Jeanne goes to ask her what is wrong. Mama? Sarah? Villeneuve does not deliver this information until much later, but Nawal has just seen the man with the three dots on the heel of his foot. Muad used that emblem to refer to ancient mythology, specifically Homer's Iliad, which depicted the epic Trojan Wars, and in particular to the famed warrior Achilles, who after having killed Hector at the gates of Troy, was later slain when an arrow, fired in vengeance by Hector's brother Paris, hit the seemingly invincible Achilles on his heel. Greek tragedy is a great source of inspiration to Muad, as he is an advocate of catharsis, the means by which the audience is moved, either through pity or fear, to identify with the sufferings of the characters on stage. Catharsis is closely linked to weeping. It is where we get the word cataract. And it is through catharsis that we are cleansed of wrongdoing. It is washed away so the audience can arrive upon a purified state, one free of recrimination, jealousy, lust and other vices. But another Greek myth runs through Ansondes, and that is Sophocles' tragedy Oedipus Rex. In adapting Muad's three-and-a-half-hour play and editing it down to a two-hour movie, Villeneuve divided it into ten episodes. Here he is with Geoffrey Brown once more, this time talking about the process of adaptation. Yeah, it was a long process to uh, rewrite. The play was set in a fiction land in order to be able to be apolitical, which is a quite tough in this part of the world to be uh, yes. neutral, you know. And we did try to do the same with the film. It looks like South of Lebanon, but it is not South of Lebanon. It has a transposition with reality. And uh, so it was a huge, huge research uh, about Lebanon, about Lebanese uh, civil war and uh, we did try to be as close as possible to this culture and to those events in the same time giving uh, by changing the names by changing the the geography in order to have a as i said a, a distance with reality that give us the freedom in order to to tell this story the way i wanted to do ensemble is a difficult violent story and for the most part delivers its information with great fluidity and knowing he is dealing with intensely violent subject matter Villeneuve does well to keep it to a minimum. That is, with the deliberate exception of the sequence where Nawal finds herself on a bus that is flagged down and held up by masked gunmen. Suddenly they open fire, killing everyone inside. Everyone except Nawal and another woman who is desperately trying to shield her six-year-old daughter. We then hear the gunmen climb onto the roof of the bus. 
Noal quickly produces her necklace, on which hangs a crucifix. Revealing herself as a Christian, she pleads with the gunmen not to shoot. They agree to let her go, and in an effort to at least save one other life, she takes the woman's daughter, pretending the child is her own. The gunmen blast the bus once more, and then set fire to it, burning the mother inside. After a moment, they realise the girl is not Noelle's daughter. <laughs>